it becomes a very kind of psychological question about how you attach yourself to that identity before you and what that means for your life and kind of your past. You know, do you embrace certain things or do you feel boxed in by certain things in your past and your lineage? And the name Glenn always just had like a weird connotation in, in culture. I remember like, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan and there's a, a guy who played for the Celtics, Glenn. And he, his nickname was Big Baby Glenn because like he would like cry on the, on the basketball court. So he's a good player, but, but very emotional on the court. And I was like, dude, of course the guy's name is Glenn. So now my, my music name, when I make music, is under the name Zen Lu, which again kind of takes the letters of my name, takes the Z from Lutz and, you know, takes the L-U from, from my last name. And another weird thing about names too is I, uh, like I told you, I, I deal with depression. <laughs> One of the medications I take actually has L-U on the pill, which is kind of weird there too. So, and that happened after I changed my name. In today's episode, join me in conversation with Glenn Jonathan Lotz, where we discuss feelings of predestination associated with his name, its ties to religion, and the different names he went by during certain times of his life. Names enriched with meaning are part of one's identity and hold such importance. I'm Maya Mitzkoff, September Welford. What's your name? My name is Glenn Jonathan Lutz. Glenn, thank you so much for coming on as a guest onto That's My Name. It's really, really great to have you from across the world. I think you're my furthest distanced guest so far. You're all the way in Hawaii. So thank you so much for joining us late on a Sunday evening. Um, so tell us more about your name and how you tie it to your identity. For me, I'm actually named after my father's father. Uh, his name was Glenn. And I come from this long line of pastors on his side. So it's, it's kind of even just having the name of like my grandfather and never having met him because he passed, I think about 10 years before I was born, you're kind of attached to somebody that you don't, you don't know. And there's so many questions. And so I think for me, that was kind of the start of like, you know, it was like my grandfather and growing up, I was always other people who had their grandparents but yeah growing up i really resented my name i just thought glenn sounded like boring and it was like dude you know i i actually wrote a poem where i had said something like i wanted a khalil the sean jerome like just this like you know kind of cool like name that i identified with being masculine or smooth or something and thought Glenn was kind of boring, but, um, but over the years it, it kind of changed, but yeah, in my childhood it was, it was kind of tumultuous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you said that you're named after your granddad, but you never kind of met him. Have you, what have you learned about your granddad dur during, you know, your lifetime and during your kind of exploration? What have you learned about him and, and are there any similarities or differences that you've identified? Uh, my dad's not very descriptive. So trying to understand I think their personality and their intricacies was kind of like pulling deep. Um, and he's a very quiet man and very reserved. 
so I would be, you know, I would try to ask and be like, you would, you know, like to hunt and stuff like that. And yeah, learning and, and understanding him, it's like I come from this long line of pastors and ministers and they're Presbyterian ministers, which again is kind of, a, you know, I don't want to say uptight, but it's a very kind of religious kind of way about going through the sermons and things like that. And they were all, you know, Masons and like, it's a very different world. And I'm also like the first black person from that lineage. You know, it's all Irish, German, Dutch. And so I always felt very weird having this name, Glenn. And my grandfather, he actually like, uh, married as far as proceeded uh, over the wedding of like some famous like actors and like Mickey Rooney is one of them. Like he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's and stuff. A very racist role. I might. But so he was, you know, a pastor and had like a big church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. But it was, it's very, I've always wanted to know the personality, like as an empath, like what were they like, you know? So just kind of hearing accomplishments or things like that. It didn't, I didn't feel that connection, but yeah, there's, there's that attachment to somebody else and this legacy. It becomes a very kind of psychological question about how you attach yourself to that identity before you and what that means for your life and kind of your path. You know, do you embrace certain things or do you feel boxed in by certain things in your past and your lineage? So that was always weird. And my mother is from Haiti and she's a Haitian immigrant and moved to the States in the 20s. And, you know, their names are, you know, French and like my sibling's last name is St. Louis. And I was like, oh man, why didn't I get the last name St. Louis? You know, like, but, uh, and her uh, maiden name is Bollier. So I was always like, yeah, you know, it's like the French and they all speak French and Creole. So I think my name also equated a certain lack of a culture that my siblings and all of my mother's side of the family have, because they all are trilingual as well as some are like, you know, four languages, Spanish as well. And when I was growing up with my father, they have a different father. And um, yeah, I wasn't spoken to in French. And so I kind of equate my name with that as well, as well I think. Um, but, but so it, it gets, it gets deep, I think, but, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> And how does it feel growing up, um, you know, you having very much kind of your dad's name and your dad's lineage, lineage's kind of name versus growing up with siblings who very much had kind of more your mother's side of things? How did that feel? I think growing up for me um, and kind of growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, I certain things about identity I was learning as they were kind of as I was kind of like having like a head-on collision with them in a way, it's certain things about race or where that plays in America, things that I don't, my parents didn't explain to me growing up, also because my mother isn't from the States and, and from America, so she was also learning, I think, certain things about Black people in America or how we're viewed in this country, things she didn't understand. So, yeah, I was learning that on the fly. It was... Um, yeah, I definitely felt isolated in that kind of way. Um, and yeah, it, or as, 
junior high, kind of a, a roller coaster. And I, by the time I was in high school, I like completely did not go by Glenn. I would try to pretend that like I didn't have a white father, you know, and like even try on different voices for, then, you know, like kind of in different areas. Um, just based kind of reactionary on certain things I experienced with racism and things like that and people at school. Um, so yeah, I went to private schools with like, you know, mainly white people and, you know, there was some, a little bit of that, you know, but it was always like, oh, Glenn, you should, you know, dress more hip hop or something like that, you know? So it was always kind of that thing. And yeah, I felt like the last name Lutz, you know, even certain black friends would be like, oh, that's kind of like the Malcolm X you know, the slave name. I was like, uh, I kind of got that name a different way, you know, but, um, but yeah, there was, there was. <laughs> and you mentioned just there that you used a different name during high school. So tell me more about that. My nickname was true, which is kind of funny because I wasn't being completely honest about, about myself. Uh, but I, I got that nickname just because I was still pretty religious at the time as a kid just kind of the indoctrination. And at the time I was still very steeped in the, the faith, but um, so yeah, I, I would kind of talk and, you know, quote Bible verses to my friends and stuff. But um, so I got that nickname and um, yeah, it, it was kind of a, a way to kind of back away from that name. It's funny because in pop culture, I remember there were so many movies where like, if they wanted a character that was like the person that either you know, just does something weird or something like that. It was always Glenn. And the name Glenn always just had like a weird connotation and in culture. I remember like, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan and there's a, a guy who played for the Celtics, Glenn. And he his nickname was Big Baby Glenn because like he would like cry on the on the basketball court. So he's a good player, but but very emotional on the court. And I was like, dude, of course the guy's name is Glenn, you know, but that's that's how I always go. And it's it's also a name you see everywhere, at least where I was growing up in California. You know, like some of my friends would be like Glendale or like Glendora, which are all cities in my area and stuff and where I grew up. So there was that. But it's funny because, yeah, there's things about names that, at least in my life, have popped up in the future. You know, it's, it's like this valley, you know, and you kind of see this Glen. And it's, it's interesting, and I'm maybe skipping ahead a little bit, but in my life now, I'm like, so, you know, I love nature. But like being like in a pasture or something and just like sitting there doing nothing is my idea of like the best time. <laughs> like being in a glen somewhere, you know, so yeah. it's like, it's, it's ironic. Thanks for sharing that, Glenn. And so you, you went by the name True for a, some time at high school. When did you kind of go back to using Glenn? How did that come about? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I went by and then when I went to college, I started having, I was making music and my music name was Jalen Thomas, which again, to me sounded cool. Like that's the name I want, you know, who's like the smooth Jalen, you know, versus like Glenn, you know, but, <laughs> um, but my whole shtick was like, yeah, you know, it's still my name. I took the J Jonathan and put it with the Len from Glenn. You know, again, another basketball player, Jalen Rose, you know, it just sounds like, you know, the name of somebody on The Bachelor or something, but um, <laughs> yeah, smooth, smooth name. 
But I went by that for a long time. And I lived in Arizona at one point after college. And nobody knew my name. Only went by Jalen. I had it on my name tags. I was just like, wow. you know. Uh, I worked at a recording studio and everyone knew me by Jalen. And I actually connected with some people later in my life. And when they called me that, it was just such a, a glaring kind of mirror moment. And I was like, oh, don't call me that, you know. Um, and they're like, what? Like, what? And I was like, no, my name's Glenn. They're like, I can't call you Glenn. I've only known you by Jalen. It was kind of like this, you know, going back to the church I grew up in. It's kind of like Saul Paul moment where I'm like, you know, don't call me like my old name. It's kind of like bad memories. And, and I was dealing with like a lot of addictions at that time as well. So it had, and also I spelled it J-A-I-L-E-N-N, which had jail in the beginning of it, which a couple of people pointed out to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, let me like, I don't know, here happening or something, maybe locked into these ideas of the ego or something. So, but yeah, so it, it took me some time. I think getting in tune with my name and it was simultaneous to accepting my voice, how I sound in conversation, um, my interest just being real with me. So it, and, and really my background and how I am as a person. And so I think getting in tune with my name and being like, okay, this is who I am was simultaneous with accepting myself. Yeah, definitely, definitely interesting experiences. How you, you know, you, you've used different names at different times of your life and perhaps looking back, they've kind of signified where you've been at those moments in your life. So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned that you're kind of come from a line of pastors and very close to kind of God and religion. How have you felt tied to religion as a result of your name? Yeah, it's a very kind of a biblical thing. Uh, you know, I think, so Jonathan, my middle name is God given is what it refers to. Um, and my mother, you know, told me my parents were much older when they had me. My mother was 42. When she had me, my dad was 40. And so <clears throat> it was a very kind of difficult pregnancy. And so she was always telling me she was really praying for a child. And there was also some scares of like coming out with um, certain issues and the doctors weren't really sure. So yeah, so the God given was from that. And so, but by the time I was like 16, I really like looked at my name and I was like, you know, it literally means like the God-given valley, which is kind of like, oh gosh, like, and in my life, I'm definitely, you know, just dealing with depression, which has been like a really big part of my life. Um, dealing with that and, and kind of, I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life and just especially my teen early. So yeah, I kind of felt very attached, like this was this predestination thing and i was always like you know and again like even being a little haitian it's kind of i'm, I'm a little bit like that you know I'm, i think there's a lot of power in the name i you know historically you know people in the village there'd be someone maybe that would give you that name and think about who this child is being born to and the time they're being born and and what they really are thinking or hoping maybe this child would manifest in their life and so yeah, I, I was like, oof, I was like, is this like, you know, a sign of things to come? Like, am I just going to be like struggling my whole life? 
And so I was like, I had to get out of that. I'm like, dude, you got to, you know, create your own, your own life. But as far as, you know, there's a lot of quotes about faith in the start. And so I was like, yeah, I, I need to not, not do that. And kind of reading Marcus Aurelius meditations, you know, to kind of be like, okay, no, this is in your hands, you know, but, um, but yes. Yeah, so the God given Valley. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a whole thing. And sometimes I still go back to it because, you know, even as an artist and just creating, you know, it's uh, it's a journey. You know, it's not easy. And I think everyone's going through those things. And that's why having those conversations together and a podcast like this is so interesting because, you know, we share those things. But but yeah, I, I felt I felt very attached to this kind of woe is me. And I was I was very felt uh what's the word um i was very uh, i i would always look at myself and be very sympathetic to myself and kind of be like oh woe is me and i realized that it was kind of like an entitlement of wanting things to be better in your life or and again that's something you want and strive for but i think you have to be present you know with where you're at and the things you want to change in your life you have to change, you know, obviously there's all sorts of hurdles for all sorts of people. Um, and it's going to be specific to every people and wherever they're at in life. But, but yeah, I definitely had this feeling that things were always happening to me. And I was like this victim mentality. That's what I was trying. I, I definitely always like had the victim mentality, especially in high school. And it, it just, even my behaviors and I, uh, yeah, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was a lot of those things too were kind of in the name of like, these things happen to me, you know? So, yeah, very kind of well. And I had to school myself and kind of like, you know, around 24 years old, be like, dude, you kind of have choice in life, man. Like, either you can do that, you know, and like, you know, shake your fist at the sky, or, you know, you can like take accountability and, uh, you know, make the changes you want to see in your life. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. And how, yeah, how did you make that transition away from, I guess, like the victim mentality to more taking ownership over your actions and, and kind of taking control? Yeah, that was, it was a long process. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, as, as nutshell as I can make it, I was still heavy in the church in my early 20s, but I was also, smoking like two and a half packs of cigarettes a day, like drinking every day and uh, really dealing with depression. And that the depression at that point in my life was the kind of depression where like you can't get out of bed. Um, a couple of days, like I would sometimes just be in my bed for a couple of days, wouldn't eat. And then if I wanted to eat, I would like, you know, drive out in the middle of the night and just like binge. And literally to the point where I would eat so much, I'd actually throw up. I remember I sometimes go to like five fast food restaurants and just wow. pack. It's just like really intense. Like it's just, yeah, it was just really depressed. It wasn't even necessarily situational, but I actually, uh, I was married and I got married really young. And again, it was kind of the faith of, you know, wouldn't move in with someone or even, you know, being physical, wanting to like, you know, wait for certain things. And, um, we, yeah, it was 
again, kind of a thing of you didn't know this person that well. We were long distance dating for most of the relationship. And uh, yeah, I think within like two months of moving in, we realized, oh, like we're very different. But we kept it pushing for like three years and it just didn't work. And so when that happened, I really had to like look in the mirror because again, I, I think I looked at a lot of things that were happening in my life like they were happening to me. And I think, you know, those things do exist, but just the kind of philosophy of, of the Stoics and not necessarily just running away or saying, oh, this is bad or I'm just going to, you know, kind of get through it and not be real with my emotions, but that kind of being a foundation and then saying, okay, I can be present. And so, yeah, I really, I had like a, year and a half period where kind of leaving the faith, which was really difficult because I kind of found my praying, like if I'm doing the wrong thing, you know, please guide me back. And am I going the right direction? And it was really tough and uh, just kind of like these existential, you know, and I, I kept getting kind of signs that you're going in the right direction, open your mind a little bit. And I actually, and this is kind of funny because I really got kind of led to Buddhism. I, um, it started with uh, a book by the Dalai Lama, uh, The Joy of Living and Dying in Peace. And it was like a free book at a library, you know, out there in a bin. And I started with that. And that turned into like finding Thich Nhat Hanh and, and different uh, Buddhist uh, teachers. And I really got interested in the Dharma talks that uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and, and Plum Village, which is the monastery that they were doing. And so I would constantly listen to these Dharma talks. And I, I learned a lot from that. And I kind of moved into more of like uh, just being in tune with, you know, life and, and really Buddhist philosophy. And, and funny enough, I also kind of felt, you know, with my name, you know, Glenn or Zen, you know, coming together. <laughs> So now my, my music name, when I make music, is under the name Zen Lu, which again kind of takes the letters of my name, takes the Z from Lutz and, you know, takes the L-U from, from my last name. And another weird thing about names too is I, uh, like I told you, I, I deal with depression. <laughs> One of the medications I take actually has L-U on the pill, which is oh. kind of weird there too. So, and that happened after I changed my name musically to the Zen Lu. And so, but I remember somebody, I was at work and like when I would, I worked in tech for a while. And so I would get there early and I was like, dude, I got to sit in front of this screen. Like I need, you know, the meditation. And so I was working for PayPal and they had these rooms where, you know, meditation rooms. So I would go there like before work and just kind of put on, you know, some deep pockets, a little meditation. And, uh, one of my buddies is like, yeah, Zen Glenn, dude. And I'm like, Zen Glenn? Like, oh, that's funny. I never thought, you know, that connection. But but yeah, so so it's, it's kind of interesting in that way, too. But but yeah, that period, it was a lot. I quit cigarettes. I cold turkey. I made like a folder and just kind of every day, like, checked it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was fiending for a cigarette. You know, obviously not to bash anybody to smoke cigarettes. I have tons of friends that smoke, but... For me, like it was 
I could feel it. I, I didn't feel it, you know? Um, but yeah, I had that folder and started just, you know, making goals and, and what I want to do. And yeah, I'm still, I'm still doing that because I haven't made it, you know, or anything like that, but, but yeah, so. And on the topic of mental health, I know you have an exhibition in London at the moment. Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah. God's um, and she just launched uh, Guts Projects, which is a part of her gallery. And yeah, we connected in a book, um, a book around mental well-being and just having conversations about kind of how we're doing. And so for me, it was, you know, an exercise in, okay, I'm definitely not coming from this like I have the answers, you know, full transparency. You know, I still really deal with uh, food addiction. You know, it's like in those moments of stress, you know, I just want to just kind of escape into like a burger, you know? And it's very difficult. And I've, so my whole life I've seen, you know, my weight go up literally like 100 pounds and then drop 100. And it's, it's been like a weird food journey for me. And uh, so... I said I had to say all those kind of conversations in the book about how we're dealing with the things we see or the racism like that you experience or just the prejudice, you know, it's that like thing in the air, you know, sometimes I'll walk into a, you know, I'll walk into a store and I'll clock it, you know, I'll see like the people at the register smiling at the person in front of me. And then it's like, they see me. It's like, I don't know, like, what what what's his vibe and you know we just know that you know it's, it's like some people you know it's just it's prejudging you know there's we all have prejudices but you feel it and sometimes that prejudice becomes violent and people die because of that prejudice and that fear of the unknown and obviously so many cultures experience you know what muslim and the islamophobia or you know but yeah with this book wanted to explore that. And so the exhibition at Guts Gallery are artworks that reflect those sorts of ideas, these ideas of coming together as a group and things that we've experienced with the intention of, you know, for me as someone who's, you know, in love with Buddhism, uh, seeking enlightenment or new ideas or ways to break out sometimes of our these boxes you put, um, which has been a big part of the things with the name as well, because we, you know, we're attached to these identities, but how much does that identity affect your day to day or what you pursue or how you express yourself or what you allow yourself to do, the limitations you place on yourself? Um, so a lot of conversations around that, but that's that's where that started. And, you know, I'm so grateful to Ellie because this is uh, my first exhibition <clears throat> and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. You know, it's very conceptual. I think people can see the art links, like what the hell is this? And that's part of it, right? You know, the art world has been very, you know, selective and exclusive and, you know, some person might just take a Sharpie or, you know, you see a white canvas with no paint on it. And you're like, wait, how much did that sell for? 
And it just reminds you of just like, wow, you know, the disparities, you know, it's like playing tennis. Oh yeah, just, you know, 800,000 for this, whatever, it's so things or something. And so that in your face is, is uh, yeah, it's something glaring and what, uh, but anyway, not to get too off topic, but, but uh, that's, those are the intentions behind the artworks and just to bring certain ideas and present them and, you know, see how people respond to that when they, you know, so. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. And I was really excited to see that it's in Hackney and I'm in Hackney every single yeah. weekend. Um, so I'm definitely going to check it out and I'd encourage everyone else to as well. Glenn, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your name related experiences. It's been such a lo lovely uh, time speaking with you. Thank you.